Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's bonus episode. We have many exciting things to tell you about, teach you about, <laughs> talk to you about, explain to you, let you in on uh-huh. from our main episode. So we had this whole linen underwear metaphor, mm-hmm. which was fantastic. Never, never in my life heard of this one. This one did not end up in my Sunday school lesson. Mm-hmm. But I it did bring up some questions. Well, my initial question was, first of all, what the hell is going on? And then second of all, is the fact that it's linen significant? Is that like a cheap, crappy kind of underwear? Is it an expensive, nice kind of underwear? Because I think that knowing that probably changes our understanding. Mm. Yeah, it does breathe nicely. That's true. It does breathe. I I do associate linen with like, I'm a rich hippie. Uh I can afford really good linen things. It's kind of been my aspirational Mm -hmm. cloth, Mm -hmm. really. Someday to have (laughs) some good, a good summer wardrobe that's all really nice, Uh high quality linen goods. Yeah. Uh I'll make it there someday. Yeah. Anyway, at this time, uh, my hunch was correct that yes, linen was quite costly. Well, there's a couple different tiers of linen, right? You know, there was the more rough spun tier that would be maybe more accessible to the working folk. But then there was the like really, really finely woven, finely spun tier of linen that was only affordable by rich people. Mm. Now, the most significant thing is that linen was also something that was specifically used for priestly garments. And they actually mm, laid okay. that out in the Torah or some somewhere in like Exodus or Leviticus or something like that, that it was specifically the priest garments had to be made out of oh, linen. So Okay, so maybe that's significant. Kind of be like, this is your yeah, special there holy is that significance fabric. of a prophet showing up in linen. Linen shorts. Linen mm. shorts. <laughs> Eat my <laughs> shorts. That are supposed to only be for the priests that's something um there's also the fact that like ancient egypt specifically was noted for its like fine linen and making really really good Mm. linen and its linen exports Mm. as well Mm -hmm. um so it was used not only for really good garments but and also for priests but also was used for shrouds um would be used for like tapestries potentially um just any kind of like really really fancy uh Whenever you need a fancy cloth, you know, you know those times. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I think at this time, this is also probably the closest we can get to something actually being white, right? An actual naturally white cloth. Is hmm. really okay. So what? So when I think of linen, I think of it being kind of like a, a slightly off-white kind of beigey color. Yes. But yeah. I guess compared to like what were the other fabrics at the time i guess i just don't know a lot about historical textiles did cotton exist it's a great question must have because i think Egypt had cotton yeah okay yeah yeah you're right you're right but even natural cotton even like unbleached cotton also has a kind of off-white sort of yeah look to it yeah but at this time it's like before you're really bleaching things which I don't know who figured out bleaching first. It, that is still an ancient thing, but right. with bleaching not being super common, it's like it's you're still aiming for like an off-white, and that's the closest you can get to some kind of like quote-unquote like kind of pure-looking garment is the linen. Yeah. Right? Whoa. Yeah, that's yeah, I guess so. Sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, so when wait. I picture Pharaoh, I picture him wearing like nice white cotton, but that's probably mm-hmm. just my modern-day like movie version of Pharaoh, so I don't know. Well, I didn't look up the history of bleaching. I can sure, save that for sure. a different time. I can time. Google that while the rest of you are talking about your bits, and I can let you know what came up with that. Um, but a couple other interesting things that I found out is 
Um, I found an interesting blog that was talking about how, of course, like in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, there's the really famous rule around not mixing fibers, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Always very clear about don't mix linen fibers with wool. And there's a number of different theories for that. Um, some scholars speculate that it's like linen represents like the plant world and wool represents the animal world and wool's mm. normally reserved for like animal sacrifices. And so it's this idea of like, let's just not blend those two together in a symbolic sort of way. Interesting. Oh, okay. So that, that might be the whole mixing fabrics situation. Maybe. Yeah. Again, I know I've heard other theories about, again, this is yet right. another thing to distinguish you from the other peoples that are around you because they right. do this whole right. fabric mixing thing. And so we're going to be very clear about not doing that. Um, Linden is even mentioned in Revelations. So Revelations 19.8 says, fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. So there's very much a connection with hmm. purity and finery. Huh. Okay. And so I guess the significance cool. then of taking this very pure, fine thing, sweating your junk all over it, hiding <laughs> it in a rock, and then <laughs> pulling it out and being like, this is you. This well, is what yeah, I'm going to do to you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, essentially, it's just... Wow. Like taking one of the nicest things that you could own at the time and getting it all janky and then yeah. like, yeah, yeah wow. exactly. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Now this is funny because I, I, I stumbled every time I stumble onto some weird Christian blog. Yeah. Every time. There, there's a lot of them around. So there's that a makes lot. sense. This today I found spiritually unequal marriage.com, which sounds like a URL that you would. Whoa. Reserve, spiritually, spiritually unequal, unequal marriage. <laughs> Yeah. There's a lot to unpack there. Right, really. Yeah. And, and because Yikes. this person wrote a blog post way back in 2007, kind of m making a very stretched and tortured metaphor about the fine linen belt thing, about like, you can be that fine linen belt. Like, you don't need to push the gospel on your spouse, but you can be like, your acts can represent this righteousness and they can see, like, it was very much, a, okay. to me, a very Whoa. Christian thing of going to seize on one little part of a metaphor and just and run really, with it. Really just yeah. go wherever I want, not with no I regard just, like, for line, the context. This line was in the blog post where she says, isn't it so like God to use a metaphor to reflect his meaning on so many levels? And I think it's so like you, blog person. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, yes. However, I, this person is correct because after Jeremiah, Jeremiah you're right. Like, Yahweh's just every single metaphor he can possibly whip out. I'm like, yeah, it's right. like God to use a met to use 600 different metaphors to try to reflect his meaning on 600 it's different true. levels. And in Isaiah okay. too, same thing. It's just metaphor after metaphor after metaphor. We we yeah. couldn't even keep straight which is metaphor and what's real. So yeah, that is mm. yeah, they are not wrong. That is very Yahweh. This wow. is so Raven. And what I found from a very, 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 very quick Google search is that the earliest form of bleaching fabric would, okay. you know, involve laying them out in a field to be whitened by the sun, right? Huh. Uh, okay. Throw some lemons on it, like whiten your teeth. Yeah. At some point in the ancient world, we figured out also ammonia worked. So like if you collected your own urine, you could essentially kind of condense it down to get the ammonia out of it that then would help with the bleaching process. Like and you're very helps make your great. yellow belt. Adaptable and very awesome. Helps make your yellow belt wow. for your martial arts training. And, make, and then you can make your yellow belts while you're at it. There you go. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. All right. Well, from linen to birds, I, I looked up three different bird-related things. One is the speckled bird of prey. So there are many. If you just type in speckled bird of prey, it comes up with a bunch of really pretty boys. 
Um, <laughs> a lot of them are like what falcons, hawks, stuff like that. Yeah, Co- Cooper's hawk. Um, they're around Scotland and the UK, and then I've definitely seen hawks that look like this around here, even around Los Angeles. Some of them are really beautiful. Wow. I I just oh this one looks like it's it's from Moscow. It's like oh. a a Russian bird. He's very well, jaunty. Moscow hawk. Yeah. I'm assuming there's some hawks that were local to this area, like to ancient Israel. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't even look that up, but probably. <laughs> she got I just so distracted by these. Bird of prey. Just got distracted by birds. <laughs> yeah, just birds in general. I was like, oh, oh, but yes, it shows Jeremiah twelve nine. So there it is. Is not my inheritance to me like a speckled bird. Alrighty, and then I looked up if peacocks like humans, and apparently not much. Just peacocks don't really like to be petted. They'll allow sometimes for some physical contact, but they're generally aggressive, fiercely territorial birds. I have heard they they're are very, yeah. Yeah, they're very smart. They're very, very smart. And then I looked up, has a peacock ever killed anyone? And apparently in Bangkok, Thailand, a pet peacock mauled his master, killing him in a freak accident. Oh. Yikes. Oh my god. That's awful. Wow. Oh, but this is nice. They said that the family would spare the killer bird's life, donating all four peacocks to a local zoo. Oh, that's nice. Jeez. I'm glad. I I am torn about that. I'm not I'm torn. I uh, <laughs> nah. peacock killed a human. Eh. Yeah, that's I know. I'm on Emily's side here. I'm like, no. It's, it's, I mean, you shouldn't like keep peacocks as pets, in my opinion. Like they they belong maybe in a conservatory or something like that. Like, is that not keeping it as a pet? I guess it, no, it, it depends on the conditions, right? Yeah, we don't know. Animal, There's a lot we don't know right? here. There's a yes. lot we don't know. Yeah, that that is pretty. I like. I don't know how the heck that would happen. But all right. Finally, Jace alluded to this fact that ostriches are like obsessed with humans. Hot for humans is what I said. Hot for humans. Yeah, and they are. I I just want to reiterate that I have. There is an ostrich ranch type thing. It's like a a, a place thing. that you can. Yeah, it's like a place that you can go and feed the ostriches and. Do you know some uh, look at their? You can buy their eggs, like ostrich eggs, and uh-huh. hopefully unfertilized. Um, and it's on the way from Phoenix to Tucson, and so these yeah, things exist out there. Before, yeah, yeah, we definitely have absolutely. So when an ostrich is raised entirely by humans, it has a significant impact on the disposition of their life and of who they become. These ostriches, so. They court humans. And I was doing a little dance. It just saw me and was laughing at me. But this is, I was trying to do the ostrich mating dance. So the males will do a little courtship dance, flapping his wings out, squatting down, and waving his neck back and forth. And so if the female likes what she sees, she'll flap her wings backwards while bending her neck forward and making a clapping noise with her beak. Oh, wait, so it's, it's like a call and response kind of day? Yeah, they each have their own yeah. moves. That's cool. Yeah, exactly. Whoa. Yeah, but it says that it turned out that the farmers were noticing more of this behavior when the farmers themselves were present. So the farmers mm-hmm. were like turning the ostriches on, <laughs> which is awesome. No. Yes. 
Yes, indeed. Yeah. So let's see. What does this say? It's like 70%. Yeah, 70% of the ostriches reliably hit on humans when they were around. <laughs> Is that the scientific oh term for it? Hitting on them? Well, they like doing the their research dance. team. Yeah. yeah. A research team headed up by ostrich expert Charles Deming set about determining whether the ostriches were getting fresh with their human handlers. <laughs> and apparently they were. They were. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I love it. I I mean, just be careful. Like, they're not going to be able to mate with you. And apparently mating with an ostrich, like trying to get near an ostrich when it wants to mate with you is very scary and not a good thing mm. because they're very heavy birds. And their right. talons big, and beaks are very babies. sharp. Yeah, they're big babies and so they're they sharp could boys. Really do the business too. Yeah, Yikes. yeah, for sure, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. I'm yes. So much no, more I, uncomfortable about birds in general now <laughs> today. You know what? I've always <laughs> felt like birds are quite scary. Actually, like they're it little really... dinos. They're dinosaurs. They're yes. truly dinosaurs. Okay. Claws. Yeah, yeah. They're just like yeah. a, some of my cousins had a bird who was just a jerk. It's a real not nice cockatiel or something like that. And I was just like, why would you have this? It's noisy. It's awful. It's mean. And it's scary. Like, why Why do you oh have a bird gosh. as a pet? I've, I've, I've known other people who had bird pets who were actually cute and, and fun. But like, in general, I'm like, you know what, birds? You do your thing. I'll do my thing. Let's just kind of keep that separate. Do our things. Yeah. Do our separate things. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I'm glad I, yeah. I feel good knowing that this this is real and that you, Emily, have verified this and it's not just me trying no, to it, convince everyone that ostriches yeah. are into humans. It's not some BS. It has been scientifically proven or something. <laughs> or something. Something to that. Observed. Yeah, yeah, scientifically observed. They're flirting. <laughs> They're flirting with the farmers. They're yep. like, wow, that bipedal bird is really sexy. Let's do this. Yeah. I just want to check if Flirting with Farmers is available for flirtingwithfarmers.com. That is available. I love so, oh my gosh. You want to start an ostrich Kevin, dating sex- site? <laughs> These videos are amazing. Kevin, the sexually confused ostrich. Is that ostrich flirting with me from A to B? Gosh. <laughs> His name is okay. Kevin. Even Kevin even the more, ostrich. Even better. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so last week I talked to you about this, this blog post. That what I learned from, so I I bought this book called Children of Baal, and it is part of the Baal trilogy. Again, I don't know if there are any more books yet. It's available for 99 cents on Kindle. So if you want to check it out for yourself, why not? Uh, It's it's not a very long book. And as I said in the episode, it's not amazing writing. It's not brilliant, but it's Mm -hmm. also not terrible. And so, you know, it's fun. If you're looking for some fun reading, go for it. Uh, However, depending on your disposition about Yahweh and Judaism and things, it also could be a very offensive book to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So here's the deal. I've read about a third of it. I read it on my flight from LA or from Seattle here to LA. And so I feel like I'm going to, I'm going to give you some spoilers. So if you, the listener, are like, Excited. nope, I'm going to get this book. I don't want any spoilers. And I am only I can only spoil the first third of the book. So don't worry. I'm not going to ruin the whole thing. I, I'm still on the edge of my seat. I don't know where it's going. But uh, I can give you a little bit of spoilers about kind of the premise of it. But if you want to check out this book yourself, goodbye. We will see you next week. Or not. Well, we're taking a week off. But then we'll see you the week after that. See you on the next episode. 
But if you're okay with a little bit of just a touch of spoilage, just the slightest spoilums, here's the deal. Essentially, the premise of the book is that this dude named Nero, which is cool, uh, Nero, Nero is a visiting professor in Beirut and sort of gets mixed up with this grad student and this professor from another university who are both really into Baal and okay. who are trying to track down this modern day sort of cult or group that still worships Baal. Um, but they're both really into Baal and, and our main character is like weirded out by this and thinks they might be a little, a little, you know, off their rockers or something at first, but is just so intrigued. He's kind of going along with it. And he was raised Christian. So so what's funny is his interpretation of a lot of stuff is kind of similar to things that we've talked about on our show where, you know, they'll be talking to him about some stuff about Baal or about Yahweh. And he's like, I vaguely remember something about that happening to King Solomon. And they're like, right, exactly. It's this chapter, this verse. And, you know, they're really up on it. But he's like reading the Bible to try to check on these things. And okay. there's some funny moments when he's like, so I was reading last night and there was something where like they were getting really upset about people worshiping the Baals on the high places, whatever those are. And I was just <laughs> like, yeah, right. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, good, great question. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but okay, here's the deal. Here's basically the idea: is that these two believe that there's been this two to three thousand year conspiracy that has led us all to the world we're in today, where everyone worships Yahweh and not Baal, and that okay. all the gods are real. And they go to that whole thing of like, they talk about gods being plural all the time. And like in Genesis, you know, we made man in our image, this whole thing of like, that was a team effort. And it wasn't until later that this whole idea of Yahweh being the only God came into vogue. And so it's you know, all that kind of stuff. And we've, we've talked about some of that of like, you know, that, that's why I've enjoyed it. Because it's a lot of stuff we've already kind of entertained or, or joked about on our show. Yeah. But they bring up a couple interesting things. One is that in the Canaanite pantheon, there was this god named El, who was the sort of king of the, the pantheon of gods, right? He was like the head of the divine council. And he is Yahweh's father, who later became what, um, Yahweh. Um, excuse me? Yahweh? Yahweh. 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 Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Jennifer. <laughs> Yahweh's uh, father. And wait. according to this, Yahweh's mother was Ashtoreth. AKA whoa, Asherah. Whoa. Okay. It's getting all confusing up in here. Whoa. Yes. Wait, uh, wait, are you are you making fun of the fact that you said Yahweh, but Yahweh is not a real person? No, no, Yahweh is the Canaanite name that eventually became uh, Yahweh. Oh. But they're the same person. They're the same character. Okay, so they're laying out this conspiracy that Yahweh okay. started out as a Canaanite god who is actually the son of Asherah. Yes. And that then Baal was Asherah's nephew which I guess would then make him Yahweh's cousin, I guess, or maybe also nephew, kind of depending Once on how removed. that worked out. There's also, you know, like a lot of um, Greek and Roman mythology, there's a lot of incest among the gods too, so the family oh, yeah, trees they, are a little fuzzy. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love that. But anyway, here's, here goes the story that they present, is that Baal comes along, 
And even though Yahweh, Yahweh is El's son, Baal like really ingratiates himself to El and is just so hot and everyone is so into him, partly probably because he's the so fertility hard. god and also the god of like the rains and lightning and stuff. And so he's just so hot, and so cool. And everyone loves him. And Yahweh is jealous. And Yahweh at that time is the sea god. He's the god of the sea, the god of the deep. What? Yeah. Look in the Canaanite yeah. pantheon. Yahweh is the god of the sea. And Baal is the god of fertility and also of rain and, and crops and harvests and stuff like that. Way and more. Yahweh is jealous. And he goes to El and he's like, give me permission to teach this god a lesson and capture him. And El's like, sure, go for it, man. And he tries, and but, but Baal beats him anyway. And everyone's celebrating Baal, and all the worshippers of Baal are super happy. Uh, but then Yahweh eventually, you know, creates this idea of him being the only god, and his followers really perpetuate this idea, well, and they succeed at it to, to the point that thousands and thousands of years later... We now all all we know is Yahweh, and that no one thinks that there are any other gods. Jeez. He makes a couple of fun points, and again, I love this whole conspiracy theory stuff. Is that he's a jealous god, right? And Yahweh yeah. himself has told us that in what we've read, right in the Hebrew Bible, is like, "For I, your God, am a jealous God. You shall have no other gods before me." Right, that whole thing. And then also, this this is where it gets wild. So then he says... It's not wild yet? It's not wild yet. Just wait. Just wait. Here, here it comes. They get to the whole, thou shalt make no graven image of anything you know, above or below or whatever. And essentially the main character is like, this, this I don't understand. He's like, I understand if Yahweh's like, don't make images of other gods and worship them. But why would he want people to not make images of himself? Right? That's like not... God's stuff, like all the gods want that, right? You you want statues yeah, to God's you, and, and right. So like, what what's the deal? Now here's here's where it gets cool. So remember, Yahweh in Canaanite mythology was the god of the deep, was the god of the oceans, and was represented by either a dragon or a serpent. Okay. Now, serpent in the Garden of Eden was the one tempting humans right yeah. to do the bad that's things. true okay there's piece number one piece number two in exodus remember when everyone like people are complaining and whining or whatever like they always do and yahweh gets mad and he sends all these serpents to the fiery serpents who are like attacking and, and killing everybody and that the solution was that yahweh told moses build a staff with a serpent on it right. like a brass serpent or whatever it was and okay. if people get infected by these these fire serpents have them bow down and worship this thing and they'll get better okay. so they're saying that yahweh is the serpent and that yahweh was the serpent Whoa. in the garden of eden wow. what and that he then later realized this was an image problem. And so he said, no graven images. I don't want any pictures of me because I don't, I want to distance myself from the fact that I'm actually the devil. And so they're saying like, essentially, we've all been tricked for thousands of years into worshiping the devil and thinking that Baal's the devil when really he's that's, the good guy. And then I was like, amazing. whoa. That's amazing. I'll, I'll yeah. I will hand it to them. That's pretty clever. It's Some fun. Clever... It's a fun yes, story. That's yeah. fun. 
that's fun. <laughs> that's that would be fun. such an irony that all these Christians whole time we've been worshiping the right. devil actually. Yeah. Um, and the last thing is wow. that the Exodus never happened. And we've talked about this a little bit that there's no like historical evidence of that. No other historical records to verify them being captured by the, the Egyptians and the Exodus and stuff, or at least not like verifiable other sources. The idea is that they were a Canaanite tribe from the start who decided to be this Yahweh only club and they kind of made up this story about them coming from Egypt and that that hmm. justified them conquering everyone else mm-hmm. and taking over. Wow. It is wild wow, stuff. Wow. Anyway, it was a wild, wild ride on my plane yeah. reading this. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know where it's going wow. yet. I don't know where we're going with this. I'm assuming yeah, that our main character is going to become a follower of Baal. It has to happen, right? Gotta be, right? But, like, if oh, we're I'm setting sure. up Baal's actually the good guy, but then maybe there's going to be an extra conspiracy where it's like, oh, but they actually are kind of evil. A second le- like, layer, yeah. yeah. Yeah, extra layers on top of layers. Well, you'll have yeah. to keep posted how the children of Baal are getting on. Yeah, I'm really I don't want to don't wanna spoil hearing. it too much for people in case they want to read it themselves. But yes, it's been fun. Okay. Wow. Unbelievable. My goodness. Well, as always, we have some fun and exciting things coming to you in the coming weeks. But do remember that next week we are taking a single week off so that I can go and learn more about Baal in (laughs) the city of Las Vegas. I'm looking forward to it. I'll I'll let you know what happens when I return. And uh, we hope you have a great week off and we'll see you next time on Drunk Bible Study.